Hey, welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored you're here. The word Kalos means beautiful in, well, poorly pronounced Greek. But we're all about making known the beauty of Jesus. So why don't we dive in to last week's sermon right now. Well, hey, today the title of my message is How to Maximize Your Investment. Don't you just want to know how do I maximize on the investment? Our scripture theme uh, in this series is 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Let's read that. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for a generous church. I thank you, God, for your word. I pray that we would not merely be hearers of your word, but be doers as well in the name of Jesus. And everybody said together, amen, amen. Hey, you know, there is something to be said about this powerful scripture about being individuals who are generous, who would put our hope in a God who richly provides. That's what the scripture is saying, and I love it because God is giving us a revelation of our finances and our investments and our money, saying, hey, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Have a perspective that everything you have is what I gave you, right? And so today we're talking about investments. And I think many of us want to invest in good things. And there's a lot of opportunities to invest. I mean, in our household, my husband is very passionate about investing. Are there some people that are passionate about investments out there? And uh, my husband is, and he's said a couple of things about this from stage, but he is passionate passionate about cryptocurrency. Hashtag Bitcoin. Hashtag show me the money, baby. Hashtag when can I go shopping? That's my part of the investment conversation in our house. And uh, I'll, I'll just take a time to, to, to tell you this. You can actually now give uh, to, to Kalo's church through Bitcoin and through cryptocurrency. So imagine how that all got done. And so um, so there's so many there's so many ways to give, and the thing is, is we don't want to make bad investments, right? I mean, there are so many opportunities for investment, and we're all kind of sifting through what is a good investment, what is a bad investment, how can I maximize my investment? I mean, just this last week, think about it. After Thanksgiving, we had Black Friday, we had Cyber Monday, we had Giving Tuesday, we have uh, a, a small business. Saturday, like was thinking about Friday, about Saturday. And I mean, we just got days, multiple days now that are taking our investments that are trying to give that we want to give and invest in. And we want to make a good decision. How do we know that an investment is an opportunity to invest is a good investment? How do we know that? And I remember one time my sister uh, made a bad investment. I called her last night and I asked her if I could tell this story. And she said, you can only tell the story if you tell them that this happened a long time ago. And I'm no longer the woman that I was back then. And so um, she made an investment in, uh, in a, pyramid a pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme. <laughs> pyramid scheme. So 
she made an investment in a pyramid scheme, also known as a multi-level marketing opportunity. Now, before I tell this story, I want you to know I'm not knocking all multi-level marketing uh, jobs and all of that. I know there are people that are successful in it, so please don't email me about this. This is about my sister, just this one time, who made a bad investment, okay? So she gets, you know, she gets uh, called by these people who are saying things like, hey, do you want to be financially free? Hey, do you want to start your own business? Hey, do you want to reach your dreams? My sister's like, yes, I want all of those things. Tell me everything. And so my sister begins to invest in energy drinks, energy drinks. And so she's buying these energy drinks, trying to kind of do this thing. And I'm looking around her house, and there are energy drinks everywhere. Now, these are not the good kind of energy drinks. These are disgusting ones. I don't drink energy drinks, but I know there's good ones. Randall knows about them. Linda knows about good energy drinks, okay? You people spend money on energy. I don't. But these were disgusting energy drinks. And I look at my sister. There's energy drinks all around her house. I'm like, you're going to have a heart attack. Don't drink any more energy drinks. And I'm like, you cannot buy enough energy drinks to financial freedom. Let me just help you out for a second. And in this time in her life, this was not a good investment. This was a bad investment. Or maybe it's like a little silly investment sometimes. I, in October, decided it was fall season. We were getting our sweaters out. I decided I was going to make a pumpkin roll. Anybody know what a pumpkin roll is? It's like this bready um, dessert. It's got a swirl of cream cheese in it. It's it's so delightful. It's so good. I know you're now you're starving because I just brought up food. And um, I decided to make this pumpkin roll. And I got a recipe on Pinterest. I made the pumpkin roll, put it in the oven, put it, pulled it out of the oven, and it was flat. It was a Pinterest fail. Okay, Pinterest fail. So I was like, oh man, that's a bummer. So I get another round of ingredients and I decide I'm gonna make this pumpkin roll again. So I make it again following the same recipe. Don't know why I did that, but I just thought maybe I just messed up or something before. So I make another one, put it in the oven, pull it out, it's flat. Another Pinterest fail. And I'm like, what is up with this? So I look at a different recipe on Pinterest and find out that the, the recipe I'd been using was missing a tiny little ingredient called baking soda. Word to the wise, if an ingredient has the word baking in it and you're baking, put it in there. Just put it in there. It's, it's going to be okay. It's going to make your pumpkin roll rise to the perfect perfection of floofiness. And so you see how I had invested my time, my efforts, my money on ingredients twice so that I could make the perfect pumpkin roll. And sometimes we invest in things and we find out that it was a bad investment and that something went wrong. No one wants to make a bad investment. And all of our inboxes are full of opportunities to give and invest to charities, to good causes, to many different things. And so we feel this tension. We're like, there are so many opportunities. I can't, I don't have time to research every single opportunity, make sure every single opportunity is a good investment. So you know what happens? We end up holding on to what God has called us to be generous with. I don't want that to be a reason why we're not generous. And so today I believe, and I want to unpack for you three biblical and godly ways to maximize your investments. This is, a, this is going to help you as you're looking through your inbox, as you have these opportunities, when you come to church and the church is saying, hey, we're in legacy season, give to legacy. How do you know what is a good investment? I believe that there are three things that will maximize your investment. Number one, invest in unity, in people, and in God. 
Unity, people, and God. Those three things as you're looking to invest, I believe will truly help you make great investment decisions. Number one, unity, invest in unity. Unity, unity is powerful. We need to invest in what God is doing, in what God is breathing on, because what God is breathing on will last. It is more of an eternal impact, even more than just an instant relief impact. So we need to ask ourselves, instead of asking God to bless what we are doing, consider investing in what God is blessing. Ask yourself, what is God blessing? What is he breathing on? The church is an incredible place to invest, I believe, because the church was designed to operate together in unity. The church was never designed to operate as separate different members of a body, but to operate as the body all together. You know, I think that when the church hasn't operated as the body, the church gets a bad reputation. The church can have a branding problem, right? The church is known maybe for just asking for your money. Maybe you've, you've had an experience where it was just always, pastors are asking for money, or maybe there was a scandal in church. There's just this reputation that the church can have that can be very negative concerning money. But I believe that, that we can have a legacy as the church, a reputation as the church, when we come together to give that redeems that bad reputation. At Kalos, we do this legacy once a year because we don't want to ask all the time. We want you to just give once a year. We want to teach biblically once a year on what God is saying about finances biblically. Look what happens in the church when the church comes together and begins to operate in unity. Acts 2.44 says this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church was a generous church. They had an incredible reputation. You know what they did? If the neighbor across the street said, hey, I need something, they just said, hey, take mine. Take mine. I have one. I don't have extra, but you can just even have mine. That's the way they operated in generosity. They looked at one another. They, they shared their homes. They, they shared their food. They came together. And you know what happened with that reputation? More and more people were added to the church daily. People came to know Jesus because the church was not a weird church asking for money. The church was generous. The church was awesome. The church was doing what the church is designed to do in unity and to gather. Amen. Um, I read this beautiful article this week from a pastor named Glenn Packiam, and he says that the church is the most revolutionary community in human history. You want to know why? It's because of what the church did. Prior to Christianity, you have to understand that groups of people in human history, history gathered uh, and organized in families. They organized in ancestry. They organized by geography and region. They organized by those who would settle and those who would be nomadic. There was this organization of people who came together, and this is how they just organized. Well, then Christianity happened. And Christians came onto the scene, and when they 
came onto the scene, they revolutionized the world and how people were gathering and why people were gathering. And we know this because there are letters from the Romans, because the Romans in ancient history were like, who in the world are these Christians? What is this new group of people that are gathering in the name of Jesus? And so um, the Romans, through letters that they actually document and, and documented and written, had these questions and were puzzled by this group and this new community of people. I want you to look at this quote by Glenn Packham. He says this, the Romans are looking at this new community and scratching their heads saying, how do men and women eat together and it doesn't turn into an orgy? Literally, they were writing letters saying, surely something scandalous is going on. And the believers were like, no, no, it's not actually because we know how to treat one another with respect. That was revolutionary. They said, how is it that, that in these gatherings there are masters and slaves that worship together as equals, that pray together as equals before God, as if Jesus is the only master overall? How is it that that can happen? How is it that rich and poor can gather in the same household at the same table? Who are these people? goes on to say, we tend to think that Rome persecuted Christians because Rome was a secular state. We sort of imagine that it was like the communist Soviet Union or communist China. We're like, oh, Rome was sort of like that. They were anti-religion. That was the exact opposite of the truth. Rome was pro-religion. They wanted all religions, all gods, all forms of worship. They wanted all the idols except for one name, the name of Jesus. Why? Because the name of Jesus was the only name that threatened to undo society as they knew it. Every other idol left the status quo. Let, left the status quo. Every other idol let you keep your prejudices. But one name came to disrupt it all. The name of Jesus. Do you see what happens when the body of Christ, when Christians unify together? We become the most revolutionary community in the world. In human history, it's huge. Something happens when we change our mindset from just individually giving to being a part of something greater than us. Last week, something really powerful happened for me as we were giving our legacy offering. Um, we spent some time just praying, and we filled out the letters. Pastor Pritifan had to stand up and hold those pieces of paper up in the air, and we began to pray. And this is what happened for me. Usually when we give, we try to be really generous as a family during legacy time. Usually I'm like, oh. This is really hurting the bank account. I can't shop for the kids the way I wanted. I wanted like 17 pairs of shoes for Nala. She doesn't need that many shoes. You know, like our Chick-fil-A budget is out the door right now. And because we're giving sacrificially, we're giving. It kind of hurts our bank account, right? But this was so cool because last week as we stood up and we held our papers up in the air, I looked around and it wasn't about Pastor Pretty Fun and I's money anymore. I looked around, and all of a sudden, that number that we had on our sheet, I looked around at all of your sheets, and that number tripled and quadrupled. And all of a sudden, we as a church collectively begin to make a greater impact together. And I didn't feel that little ping in my heart. I gave, and I just said, oh, Jesus, you are the God who gives generously. And through the church, you want us to be generous to the world around us. Amen. I encourage you to give as you consider maximizing your investment. Look at unity 
Ask yourself, is God breathing on this? Number two, invest in people. Our unity isn't for the sake of unity alone. We have work to accomplish to accomplish together, bringing life to people. Here at Kalos Church, we are on a mission to make known the beauty of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of the gospel around here. We are lifting up one name that is Jesus. We're on a mission. We want people to know who Jesus is. We want them to know that scriptures talk about people who never heard. How will they hear if we don't tell them? We are making known the beauty of Jesus. And I want to tell you this. Generosity opens people's hearts to Jesus. Here's the reality. A lot of people have been hurt by the church. A lot of people are far from God. But you know that if we would even just be generous, it, it may open a door into their hearts to Jesus. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When I started working in Cambodia seven years ago, um, we didn't have this job creation program yet, and we realized that the women were in big trouble, and the babies and their children were in big The families were in crisis. And here's what happened. We just said, what can we do? How can we help? And so we realized what they needed the most was a consistent income that didn't require them to go across the border and uh, face the dangers of sex trafficking, of being enslaved in the fields. Um, we had to give them a safe working environment from home. They needed a consistent income so that they could put not one meal on the table barely but three and they also needed medicine because their children were dying of sicknesses because of dirty water and so we said what can we do so we asked all these people hey we got this idea to start a job creation program would you invest in people would you invest in this idea and you know what happened I couldn't believe it after a year I go back to Cambodia I see that the women are getting a safe income dignified that is bringing dignity to their hearts and their souls and I see that they're able to provide for their kids and their families and I could see the kind of instant relief that was happening by having this consistent income for these women in poverty and then it was about year five that I saw the greater and deeper impact this program was actually having and that was this. When these women came together, they began to lift one another up. It used to be that they were in survival mode, so they were against each other, just scrapping for whatever they can get. But then, all of a sudden, they came together through a program, through generosity, and all of a sudden, their hearts began to open to the gospel, and they realized that everything that they got is from Jesus. And they began to impact their community for Jesus. And now people are coming to know Jesus. There is a church now out there that exists because of a program, because people decided to invest. And it was an incredible investment. And now the, the return on that, the maximum powerful, huge things have happened because of that investment. When we invest in people, it opens their heart to Jesus. I encourage you today generosity opens the hearts of people what kind of legacy can the church leave what if we could end poverty on monday what if we could end sex trafficking on tuesday no orphans on wednesday less crime and violence on thursday and what if we could heal the sick on friday can you imagine we're a part of the most revolutionary community in human history that's the kind of generosity the kind of legacy god is asking us to give so let your light shine the people would open their hearts to jesus number three invest in 
God, invest in God. Our generosity as the church reflects God's generosity. Um, anybody, uh, have you ever re-gifted a gift? Anybody out there you've re-gifted before? It's okay, this is a safe place. You can raise your hand. Anybody um, seen a gift that was re-gifted that you gave to that person? <laughs> I have a couple memes that I found that are uh, kind of on this re-gifting idea. Let's put those memes up. I finally got the last knife of the set you've been stabbing me in the back with all these years. Heads up, I re-gift. <laughs> Ouch. Let's do the next one. That moment when your mom not only re-gifts one of your gifts, but re-gifts it back to you? Wow, wow, mom. I'm a mom. I could see that happening very easily. Um, but you know, I think it's so funny when we re-gift. Uh, a lot of times, it, it just when someone re-gifts a gift that we a gift that we gave them, uh, it kind of hurts us a little bit because we want to be remembered for that gift. We kind of want to make a name for it. We're like, like it's important to us that you like your gift and give me credit that I gave you that special gift, right? But I want to tell you that that when you re-gift, this is actually what God is calling us to do: is to re-gift. He expects that. Because everything that we have, God is saying, no, I want you to give away. I want you to re-gift it. It's not yours. It's mine in the first place. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. And I tell you what, when the world asks us, hey, why is it so easy for you to just give me? Give me stuff that I need. Give me money. Help me out. Why, why is it so easy for you? I tell you what, when we do that, it lifts up the name of Jesus. We cannot get confused in our investments. We have to understand that we need to make a name for Jesus and not for ourselves. When it comes to what you invest in, who do you want to get the glory? Who do you want to get the glory? It's really, really important as we look at investing that we're giving God the glory. There's a scripture in Genesis that talks about a group of people, God's people, who decided that they wanted to make a name for themselves. And so they decided to build a, called, a tower called the Tower of Babel. And so they decided to come together in unity and build this tower. And God said, wait a minute, if they come together in unity, anything is possible. But God knew that it would destroy them if they built a name for themselves. They needed to build and make a name for Jesus, for God and his kingdom. So God instead confused their languages and they gave them all different languages to speak so they couldn't understand each other. They couldn't fulfill this mission of building the Tower of Babel. It is so important that we lift up the name of Jesus, that we make a name for Jesus and not for ourselves. Our investment should be making his name great, his name powerful. Amen. So I encourage you today, when you're looking at investments, God is calling you to invest. God is calling you to leave a legacy. He is calling you to be generous. Look through the lenses of unity. Look through the lenses of people and look through the lenses of investing in God and what God is breathing on. I want to tell you uh, a story to uh, close today. Um, and, you know, I, I was hesitant to kind of talk about this. I didn't know if it would be a little awkward, but I just, I just have to say something about this. Because this church is an incredibly powerful church. You guys have blown me away with your generosity. You've blown me away with how you lift up people. 
And uh, one of the things that you're giving to, you're giving to Kirsten, we're giving to missionaries, we're giving to a lot of different areas. We decided to also give internally. The legacy offering, part of the legacy offering, is going to give internally so that we can hire me as a pastor uh, of Kalos Church. I've been, um, well, thank you. <laughs> I've been, I've been, that made me come to tears a little bit. I've been um, co-pastoring Kalos Church with Pastor Pradeepin for the last three years. And it's just been the joy of my heart. And I tell you this story because uh, Pastor Pradeepin and I, we don't want to be cringy. We don't want, we don't want to manipulate you at all. Uh, we don't ask you to give. We're asking you to ask God what you would give. But um, giving to me, I want you to understand, giving to legacy and how that directly impacts me and directly impacts our family is so much bigger than it is me. You're giving, you, this is a great example of maximizing on your investment because you want to know why? Because when we lift up women and daughters in the church, we're communicating to the world that they have something incredibly valuable to add to the kingdom of God. We're the most revolutionary community in the world. You know what I love about this church is that this church realizes that it's going to take all of us to reach the world with the gospel. So when we give and we hire women and we hire minorities and we bring people to the table who have powerful things inside of them that God has put in them, we can change the world. And we're not making a name for me. You know that my voice will not stand the test of time, but the church's voice will stand the test of time. So when we come together as a church, oh, revolutionary things will happen. And I want to tell you, church, God is moving in Bellevue. Have no doubt. God is breathing in this place. We're not making a name even for Kalos Church. We're making a name in this city. We're putting, we're, we're, we're standing, we're posting a flag saying, the name of Jesus will be lifted high in our city. And God is for you, and he wants you, and he sees you. I found myself in a... Uh, pastor's meeting recently about three months ago and we pastor Pradeepan and I walk into this pastor's meeting and it is all men in this meeting it was one of those moments where we thought that um, wives were invited to and other women were going to be there and I'm like babe there are no other women here look I'm the only one right and so we walk into this room and I'm I'm I'm, I'm instantly like oh man I'm the only woman here and and I um I I, I hate to call myself an elephant um, but it was like an elephant in the room. There was an elephant in the room. There's got to be a better word. But um, I, I instantly realized how like, kind of awkward it was that I walked into the room of, full of men pastors. And, um, and what was so interesting is I felt like I just sort of felt the Holy Spirit convict all of us in that moment that there were not more women in that situation. Had I not been there, I don't, I don't know that we would have even thought about it. But when we were there, and I was the only woman, it just sort of like convicted everyone, including myself. And so uh, we're standing in this room, we're sitting in this room, and the pastors who organized this, they say, hey, we want everyone to share about what God is putting on your heart and what God is doing in your church and how you want to impact the community because we were a bunch of pastors strategizing how we're going to reach a lost world for Jesus. It's like the biggest question we think about all the time. And so we're there together, and um, how the seating arrangement went is that it was going to be me sharing before Pastor Pradeepin. 
And I wasn't sure if uh, this group of people would listen to what I had to say if Pastor Pradeepin didn't speak before me and give me sort of an open door to speak next. Sometimes we as women or underdogs or minorities or maybe you've just experienced that or whatever, whatever that is, we, we feel like we have to advocate for ourselves, right? And so I am sitting there and I look at Pradeepin and I say, babe, do I be really honest about what I'm passionate about? And he goes, just be yourself. And so I, I just shared, I just said, hey, I want you to know this topic that we're talking about is so important and I believe it's gonna take all of us to reach the world with the gospel, to reach the Seattle area for the gospel. And I want you to know that the other half of us have to be sitting at this table. The other half of us have to be represented. And I didn't say it in a jerky way. I wasn't mean. I wasn't rude. But I said, listen, listen, our, our community is filled with women who are CEOs. Women who are in administrative roles in the schools. Women who deal with millions of dollars in a budget. Women who have been invited to the table at their workplace to have an influence in our world. The church needs to make sure they're also a part of this conversation and invited to this table. I believe, I believe that God has put something inside of you. And he wants you to use that for the kingdom of heaven, to expand the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that that night, I'll never forget that night in that room, because those men accepted what I had to say. They looked at me and they said, you're right. You're right. Let's do this together. And at the end of the meeting, the the meeting was done and two of the men who led that whole situation, that whole night, planned the whole night, they came up to me personally by themselves And they said, hey, Amrita, we just want to apologize to you. We want to apologize to you on behalf of men like us who have influence in the churches. And we want to apologize because we agree. We agree. There should be more people represented at this table. And I looked at them and I said, hey, I forgive you. We got to start somewhere. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. We're the most revolutionary community in human history. When we come together as one voice, the world will know Jesus. Well, I really hope that you enjoyed that sermon. We're going to have a new one posted every single Monday. So see you back next week. And if you're ever in the Seattle area, we would love to have you join us in church. Go to kalos.church or follow us on social media at Kalos Church for more information. See you next time.